0: CHAPTER 34 OF THE RAT RACE BY J. FRANKLIN THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN I was lying down in the kitchen near the stove on an old rug which Mary Myrtle had spread for me. She was really a nice girl. My educated nose informed me that she was kind, young, and affectionate. When she entered the room I used to rear up and place my forepaws on her shoulders and lick her ears. She liked me. She used to put her arms around my neck and press against me and give me a smack on the back and a, go on with you, can't you see I'm busy? I was lying by the stove when Winnie Tompkins entered the kitchen. Mary Myrtle was bending over the stove, fussing with a saucepan of vegetables. I was quietly sniffing with interest the combination of cooking smells and the scents from the warm spring afternoon. When he strolled across the kitchen, took his thumb and forefinger, and gave her a hard pinch on her buttock. Oh, God, she shrieked, and turned to confront him. Oh, you, she observed. I thought you'd got over all that. He whistled between his teeth, put one tweed-clad arm around her shoulders, and pressed her to him. Go on, she said in a half-whisper. I'll call Mrs. Tompkins. Still whistling, with his free hand he tilted her chin up to his face stooped over and kissed her i could see her hands flutter and press against his chest for a moment then relax then clutch him fiercely as her lips thrust against his mouth i rose and growled hello he exclaimed why if it isn't ponto you jealous again old boy we can't have a moralist around here can we myrtle he turned and kissed her again i stalked over and stood rumbling a bit beside her ready to attack if he carried his dalliance beyond decorum let me go sir myrtle begged in a hoarse whisper "Tonight," he asked holding her close yes she sighed i'll come down sir tonight when the dishes are done and the house asleep he snapped his fingers at me with an air of assured authority come on ponto he commanded i followed him with murder in my heart my toenails clicking on the parquet floor, my tail wagging with slow servility. He led the way upstairs to my wife's bedroom. He tapped on the door. "'Come in,' Germain called. "'And here's Ponto.' I patted across the room to the chaise lounge and lay down beside her. I gave her silk-clad leg a poke with my nose. She smelled lovely. "'Thank you, Ponto,' she said courteously. I rested my head on my paws and looked at Winnie. He absent-mindedly pulled a cigar out of his pocket, bit off the tip and lighted it, after spitting the shreds of tobacco in the general direction of the fireplace. I could feel Germaine go tense. "'I am so glad you decided not to go to Hartford after all,' she remarked quietly. "'It's much nicer for you here. Myrtle and I can take care of you, and see that you have a good rest. Poor darling, you must need one.' Winnie blew a heavy puff of smoke toward her bed canopy i could tell by the way he answered her that he was feeling his way yeah he agreed i might as well get a sample of this far-famed suburban home life you read about she jumped up and put her arms around his neck it's not so bad is it winnie she asked gently you know i suppose it's silly to tell such things but last night i dreamed we were going to have a baby good lord jimmy he drawled i hope not you know as well as I do that we aren't the kind of people who have kids. If you think there's any danger of it, there's a doctor I know in New York who'll put a good stop to it. Germaine's hand fluttered helplessly at her breast, and her face went white and peaked. A sharp whiff of the acrid sense of human anger and fear came from her body. I rose and eyed Winnie steadily. I was careful not to growl. Why, I thought, she began, the other night. I mean, it was all so what's the matter what has changed he gave a sort of neighing laugh ha <laughs> oh nuts jimmy we aren't a type say it's spring or what have you just for that are you going to go through hell just to have a little animal that will go ay 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 at you germaine stood up yes she said i am if that's the way these things happen that's what i want if it doesn't happen i never want to see you again as long as i live but if it does it will be my business not yours i want this baby you loved me the other night you needed me we needed each other i can't throw that away like a-like a dead cigar butt. he thrust his cigar into the corner of his mouth a la churchill so that's the way it is is it he demanded okay but how am i expected to know that it wasn't jerry rutherford "'Oh!' Germaine looked at him in utter white-lipped silence. "'You know that can't be true.' After a minute she spoke to him quite gently. "'Winnie,' she told him, "'you know, I think you really ought to go to the sanctuary as you planned. You do need a rest, dear, and it would be better if you took it there, where they have trained attendants and good doctors. I'll be waiting here till you come back. Do go, darling. It will do you a world of good.' everything will work out for us all right now so you want to railroad me to an asylum eh he snarled well nuts to that as far as i'm concerned we're back on the old basis you go your way and i go mine and no brats mind you or i'll call the whole thing off is that clear yes winnie Germaine replied in a small frightened voice you make yourself perfectly clear okay he told her come on Bonto. He had the nerve to snap his fingers at me, not even when I had him in a packard headed for white plains and chloroform had he stood nearer death. But Germain's hand, cold and little, rested briefly on my ears and I mastered my rage. I followed him into his bedroom and he slammed the door behind me. "'See here, you black son of a bitch,' he truthfully addressed me, "'you seem to have made one hell of a mess of my affairs.' oh i don't suppose you can understand me now that you're a dog again but just the same for two cents i'd send you to the boneyard i've still to find out how much hell you've been raising with my business but damn it all couldn't you tell that it didn't suit my plans to be clubby with jimmy i padded loyally across the bedroom and laid my head on his lap he milked my ears automatically, and I rejoiced, because the more he thought of me as Ponto, the less likely he was to discover my human personality. I had not yet decided when to kill him. Yes, damn it, Hound, Winnie continued, this is one thing the experts will never know about. It's out of this world. Three weeks as an involuntary great dane ending up in a shotgun marriage with a big brindle bitch named Bugle Bell the Third if you want to know my idea of shooting ducks in a rain-barrel that is it no privacy at all just an old boy writing things down in the stud book jimmy may think i'm mean but after that experience who wants offspring cannon fodder or kennel fodder i don't neither would you ponto i suppose he added that legally speaking you are the putative father not me gosh what an experience he reached over to the night-table and pulled the brandy-bottle out from the little cupboard, which was neatly filled out with glasses, bottle-openers, a siphon, and a decanter. He glared accusingly at the bottle. "'Damn you!' he exclaimed. "'It's almost gone! My best brandy! Whoever told you you could touch my liquor?' "'Oh, well. Can't say that I blame you. Here, I'll let you smell the cork.' He held it out at me, and I sniffed it dutifully. I jumped back, sneezing. Not so keen about it, eh? he demanded gruffly. Well, just to even up the score, I'll make you drink some. He grabbed my lower jaw with his free hand and forced my tender lips against my sharp teeth until I opened my mouth. Then he poured some of it down my throat. I choked, but got it down. "A dog, he praised me. Now you just stick around and you'll see some fun. He went out and closed the door, leaving me alone in the darkened room an hour or so later the door reopened and winnie swaggered in he looked slightly more bloated than before and his eyes were glazed with liquor he tossed off his clothes went into the bathroom and took a hot shower then he lighted a cigar and lay on his bed in his dressing-gown waiting after a while there was a quiet step in the hall and the click of the door handle it was mary myrtle she was wearing a red flannel dressing-gown and her hair was done up in a pigtail. She closed the door behind her and cast an anxious glance over her shoulder in the direction of the hall. Tompkins guffawed. Ha, 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 hoo, Jimmy, he demanded. Not her. She knows better than to interfere. Myrtle cast strange little embarrassed glances to right and left, and I noted that her hands were trembling as they fumbled at the buttons of her dressing gown. I strolled across to her and sniffed the sharp perfume of desire on her limbs. She gave a little squeak. "'Oh, Ponto, you gave me such a start!' She turned to Winnie. "'Take him away,' she said. "'It doesn't seem decent with him watching.' He gave a loose-lipped smile and rolled off the bed. "'Ponto,' he ordered, "'you're de trope. Get the hell out of here!' He opened the door to the hall and I slunk out into the darkness of the landing my toes clicked their way across to the door of my wife's bedroom. I lay down on guard, my ear cocked to catch the desperate stifled sobs of the woman inside. It was then that I decided that Tompkins must die. End of chapter thirty four.